One is, let me ask everybody in here, does anybody feel like they need to dance upon injustice? Anybody? I just need the worship team to realize I'm going to need you at the end because they have no idea what I'm teaching today. And you're going to see from two of their songs and the theme of their morning, uh, I love how I was, I, I, John called, he goes, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm racing. He goes, what do you mean you're racing? I said, I don't know, I'm, I'm chasing after the Lord right now. And he goes, what do you mean you're chasing after the Lord right now? I said, I don't know, he showed me all these pieces, and I don't know how I'm tying them together yet. And so I am running after him, trying to take notes. What are we doing? <laughs> you know, where are we going? How, how is this piece fitting in here, and how is that piece fitting in there? And some of it does have to do with what we've gone through over the last couple of weeks. And I just want to say this. One, John and Woody and the team are safe. Praise the Lord. They are not home yet, but they are safe. But I, I will say this. Um, the Lord speaks very clearly to his children. I have had a week where I saw people praying over a situation that they had no idea what the situation was. And I saw people from all over the world speaking the same thing. So I know the heart of the Father over where John and Woody just was. And I want to say this. It was so clear, and we asked the Lord, Lord, I asked that you would confirm in threes. And we would watch as one, two, three would come in. The harvest is coming. I am the Lord of the harvest. They will know that their rescuer and their redeemer is coming. They will know that their safety is coming. They will know that their exit is coming. They will, they will encounter me and I will break off fear so that when that time comes, they will not fear, but they will step in to the Redeemer and the Rescuer. Amen? And so I, it was so clear. That's just some of them. And then I can't tell you that I've seen that moment yet, but I know I will see that moment. I know that they will see that moment. And I'm reminded, of, uh, I'm reminded of Psalms 27, when he's, when, remember when David ended it, and he said, here is what I have learned through it all. Do not give up. Do not be impatient. I will tell you, you can ask Ella. I, I, had, the, I, I had the spirit of impatience jump on me yesterday like no other, and I was irritated from, from, uh, from Spanish lookout all the way home all the way to bed, all the way this morning, and I'm like, what is this? And, and, and I'm, I'm recognizing what it is right now as I'm reading it. Do not give up. Do not be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Remember, to wait on the Lord is to what? It's to entwine ourselves, to tie ourselves into his heart. It's to be so intertwined in him, I cannot be separate. We talked about it, that this, when we wait on the Lord, those that wait on the Lord, what? shall renew their strength. If you are in a waiting period, quit whining. I'm talking to myself. Because yesterday I was so impatient. He is in the waiting. He's in the waiting for the outcome I want, and he's in the waiting for the ones waiting to be rescued. So I can trust and know that they are good. But he is strengthening us. And he says, be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave, be courageous, and never lose hope. Keep, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Amen? So I don't know, if you're in a waiting period today, all right, we're going we're gonna to just entwine ourselves with him. If you need to uh, dance upon injustice, we will do that. But 
the biggest thing that I want to ask the Lord for today is show us your glory. You could feel the glory of the Lord when we were worshiping. When we lifted no other name but the name of Jesus, when that became our mantra, when that became our heart song, when that became our posture, you felt the manifest presence of the Lord come in this place. He will come and manifest to you differently. So don't worry about how somebody else is feeling him. Yeah, I went to the floor, but that's what he was doing with me. I don't know how you were feeling him as he entered the room, but that you would notice he's manifesting. You would notice how he's manifesting to you. Amen? So I just find it really, and, uh, and open up the gates. Uh, we're going there too. So they, they just hit it on the, I mean, and we have not talked. And this is why I love that, all right, Lord, there were so many pieces, and those are all different pieces. So you're confirming in threes, we're going to hit those pieces, and we're going to go after that. And so um, I kind of sat with the Lord, and I thought, what are kind of the themes throughout what I'm going to share today? Because I'm going to throw a lot of scripture out at you, and uh, it's this, his presence, his glory, and his dwelling place. These are the things that I kind of want to, I want to press into and look at. There was something as he was taking me here and there and there and there and there that I'm like, oh, that's in that one too, and that's in that one too. I want you to pay attention as I read through the different scripture, um, you're going to see the rock. You're going to see what he covers. You're going to see who carries shame and who no longer carries shame. I love this. Uh, I don't know if, if any of you guys know of the revival, Azusa, the Azusa Street Revival. Yeah? There is actually, I've got to get this book. I just heard about it, so I, this is now next on my list. Because one, I learn as a child. I usually teach like a child. In fact, I was, when I was worshiping, the Lord was, was kind of chastising me because we're getting ready to really teach the children what it is to worship the Lord, right? And I'm like, so that they know how to honor, they know how to just love on it. They, they, we have to teach them, though. They don't know that. If they, if they don't know that, what do you expect, right? And I'm thinking, you know, we're in here, we're being adults, and we're worshiping the Lord and, uh, and all of that, and, and the Lord's like, mm, maybe you should worship like a child, you know? You know, I get on them for, for what they're doing, and he's like, but maybe I'm acting too grown up. There is a reverence, don't get me wrong. I, I love the awe and reverence of the Lord. I love um, the fear of the Lord. I love just being still before him and that. But it was just, you know, there's different facets that Papa likes to bring in and kind of break your mold and, and your attitude. I, I think it's more of my attitude of like, you know, it, it was like the moment that uh, it was like the moment that Indy Ray, when she was like seven, was running around. We were having healing rooms going on, and, and people were praying. And she's just, well, she's somehow got my oil, right? And I'm praying for people, being all holy, you know, calling forth healing and whatever. And I see Indy Ray going around with my oil, you know, oiling people. And I'm like, anyway, oh, Jesus, you know, I, 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 and holy right here, holy, holy, holy spirit, come. Give me my oil, right? And I and I'm watching her go around and pray. And the, you want to know what happened that day? Well, I'm I'm offended. I'm offended, right? I'm like, Ugh, my oil. I, I'm offended.
admitted being this really a hypocrite, if, you, if, if I could just be honest. Uh, and she's running around putting oil on people. And one of the ones that she ran over to her tia and her mama sitting on the ground, and she oiled their hands, and she looked at her mama, and she says, Mama, we need to, we need to pray for Tia's leg. She had no idea that Kat was in line to be prayed for, for uh, her legs were off. Her legs were off. I, you'd have to ask her. I can't remember now how, how off they were. They are probably at least an inch off, right? And, um, and so here's this seven-year-old just running around with the oil of his presence, just doing whatever, you know, and I want my oil back. Because I'm seeing, an, as an adult, a responsible adult, that is the oil of the Lord. Put it in my back, back in my hands. And uh, and what happened was, is Cat looked down as Indy Ray simply spoke, "Mama, we need to pray for Tia's leg," and her leg grew out, and she was healed. See, there is no junior Holy Spirit. There's just Holy Spirit. And I, I, I want I want God to challenge us with our children that they just might hear clearer than you. They just might operate in faith greater than we do because no one's told them that's not, that, that can't happen. No one said that's impossible. They just think, you know, I got a five-year-old Woody walking down the streets of Albania and the, uh, uh, a, an adult man uh, begging on cardboard with no arms, and my five-year-old says to me, as we, uh, says to his, Says, says to John as we walk by, he says, you know, you know, Dad, uh, God could make his arms pop out. Any of us had that thought when we walked by? I want to challenge us to the Ephesians 3.20 God. And Ephesians 3.20 starts with what? Never doubt Never doubt. I will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think, ask, or imagine. Beyond your wildest dreams, I will do it. And in and through it, I will strengthen you. See, we need to think like a child. So there's this book from the kids of Azusa Street. Oh, if I could have been a kid in Azusa Street, right? I mean, they, as soon as the Holy Spirit fell in the house and they broke out in, in tongues, do you know that across the street, a non-believer just sitting on her porch got thrown to the ground and started praying in tongues just from the power and the presence of God that fell in that house. It came down so strong that the poor lady across the street that didn't know Jesus yet flew on the floor and started praying in the spirit. So these children were in the midst of what God was doing in Azusa Street. And this is what they would do. This, these, these are the stories. I'd never heard this before. Maybe you guys know this, but these are my new stories. So just deal with me. They would go to the meetings with mason jars. And they would, un, they would unscrew their lid of their mason jar. And they would try to capture the glory cloud in their, in their mason jars. That is me. If it, God, if you allow us, to, I, I, will, I will bask in that glory cloud. But I'm going to be like that child. I'm going to try to catch that glory cloud. Because, you know, not that I can contain him. You get what I'm saying. But the joy of a child, the, the um, what do you call it? What would be the, the word I'm looking for? I look, I look to you, my, my voice, my, no. The, the what? Enthusiasm, but the, um, 
the innocence, that's exactly it. The innocence of a child, of like, I can capture his glory. I'm going to take some home. I'm going to release it in my room. I'm going to play in his glory. Can you imagine what they're thinking? They're going to take that glory into their tent, right, that they have at home, and they're going to see The innocence and the awe and wonder of a child. So I want to talk about his glory today. And we know in Exodus, Moses says what? Show me your glory. We saw last week, we talked a little bit about it in Isaiah 6, right? When the, ser- when the seraphim cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with your glory. The first, the, not the first time, but maybe the hundredth time that I read that, I realized um, it's not going to be filled with his glory. It's filled with his glory. Do you also know that Isaiah... I don't know about this, so I'm just going to throw it out there as a what if. So Isaiah, I do know that Isaiah kind of replicates the whole Bible. There's 66 books in Isaiah, and so you can kind of watch uh, Isaiah 1 and look at Genesis, you know, and and go forth and go forth and go forth. Um, What was I going to say with that? Oh, that's, so Isaiah 6 is kind of in the beginning, right? Isaiah 6 is kind of in the beginning, and he said, and they they are crying out from heaven, already that the whole earth is filled with his glory. In Habakkuk 2.14, we see that the whole earth will be filled with what? No, I got out of word. The whole earth, this is Habakkuk 2, is you got the vision, you got the plan, write it down, write it down in such a way that you can toss it on the run and somebody can grab it and they can run, right? And then down further in 14, it says, for the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. So last week we talked, last couple weeks, maybe we were talking about this deep darkness that covers the earth. I want to tell you that there is a knowledge of the glory of the Lord that will fill and cover the earth as the waters do. Amen? I want to speak to you now, and I'll come back to it in the end, but you are a glory carrier. So even as we go into these stories, so the word glory here in Habakkuk and in Isaiah, in the Hebrew, is actually kavod. It's actually the Hebrew word of kavod. It speaks of weightiness, of something weighty, of something majestic, of of honor. Uh, The the actual, uh, if you look it up in a Hebrew dictionary, it would say kavod is glory, honor, and abundance. But it talks about a weightiness, like the heaviness of this Bible thumping you on the head, weightiness, right? You could feel that. So, so this, compared to this, I feel a weightiness. There's a difference. Does that make sense? And the, uh, the Lord says in Exodus 33, 19, he says, I will, uh, when Moses is asking, show me yourself, show me your splendor. The Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So God identifies his glory as what? All my goodness. All my goodness. And goodness is this. It's good in the widest sense. He wants us to to understand the height, width, length, you know, depth of his love. And he wants to be at home in our hearts. And that, but he, here, what passed before Moses was all of my goodness and, all, and, and, the, and the glory of the Lord being the, 
all of his good in the widest sense with nothing withheld. I just want to ask you if you think Moses trembled. When all of the goodness passed by him, and then he says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Before, and, then, and this is what happens. Before a king enters the room, they announce the king. They announce and they proclaim his name. And then a trumpet is blown, and then the king enters. He enters into his throne room in all of his splendor, and his greatness is revealed. And there is not one person in that room that doesn't know who the king is. The name is proclaimed, the trumpet is blown, and he enters in all of his fullness, in all of his glory. We get to see the glory of the Lord revealed in Jesus' face, in the face of Jesus. In the natural, some of us may have had visions of Jesus, right? But no man, no flesh can look upon the unveiled glory and still live. But our spirits can. This is, that's always been the, I don't know, you know, Moses was, you know, face to face with God, but wait, you can't see him, you can't see me face to face, Moses, because then you'll die. Is that contradictory? No, it actually says that he spoke to Moses face to face. It did not say that he saw God face to face. But it said that he talked to him. But our spirits can. John the Apostle saw the Lord in the spirit in all of his glory. How? Because John was not in his body, but he was in his spirit. It was the same for Isaiah. Isaiah was caught up into that vision when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. By our, our spirits can see him face to face. All right? You need to know that. Our flesh, I just, I can't imagine the molecules in Moses' body when all of the goodness of God walked by him. You see, the glory of God is everything that makes God good. It's all of his characteristics, all of his authority, all of his power, all of his wisdom. The glory of the Lord is literally the immeasurable weight, the magnitude of God. Can you imagine the weightiness of God? I, I just told you, Bible to a paper. But I'm saying to you, can you, he's beyond our, what we can think, dream, or imagine. But if you could try and imagine the weightiness of God, how heavy that would be. See, the glory of the Lord is the magnitude of God. It's nothing hidden and it's nothing held back. When the Lord gave us the word kavod, the attorney said to us, you need to find a name that covers all that you do because you guys are doing all this stuff and I don't know what fits under that, but Chaka does not cover that. You, you need to come up with a name that will cover all of those, uh, of those uh, ministries. And instantly John heard kavod. And kavod, like I said, is the glory, honor, and abundance but it always, it, it, it also is that it, if you had a, a Jewish scholar in here, or just even a Jew, whether they knew Jesus or not, and they saw kavod in Hebrew on your shirt, they, they usually come running up, oh, the kavod. And they're like, no, you don't understand. And then they start pressing on your shoulders. No, you don't understand. It's the 
weightiness. It's the tangible weightiness of the manifest presence of Yahweh. You don't understand. It's not just his glory. It's not just his presence. Like, you can't handle the weight of his glory. That's the kavod. And then there, it, was, it would be known for David's mighty men to be out in, in war, and they would say, kavod me, Yahweh. Cover me, Yahweh. Also, that weightiness is almost like a shield. And we see in um, Psalms 3.3, it says this. It says, um, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts up my head high. So that weightiness and that shield is his glory. Uh, in Psalms 3.3, in the Passion, it says this, in the depths of my heart, I truly know that you, Yahweh, have become my shield. You take me and you surround me with yourself and your glory, what? Covers me continually. You lift high my head. Let me just tell you a couple of fun stories of glory that I've seen. I don't, anybody ever felt the, the I, I'm not saying the fullness. I'm just saying a smidgen. Anybody ever felt the tangible glory of the Lord? It, it usually feels like this. It feels like a weighty blanket. Sometimes it's warm. Uh, there was one time... It's just weighty, all right? This last summer, we, we were doing the, the mothers and daughters things with the, the senior hires in the cabin, and we're, prophesy over, we're prophesying over them, and we're just releasing the heart of the Father over them. I got one girl on the floor, and she's going like this. She's like, my arm is so heavy. She's like, what is going on? And I'm, I, I'm praying for somebody else, and so I'm doing the thing. I'm all, oh, don't worry, baby girl. That's just the glory of the Lord. Just enjoy it. He's just on you. She's like, I, I can't get up, you know, she, and she just keeps doing this with her arm. And, and, and I'm just praying for more people. Like, just enjoy the glory. Just enjoy He's all over you. It's just the weighty, it's the tangible weightiness of the glory of the Lord. And she keeps doing that. Well, one year I'm at Bethel. I go to get a book signed so that the, the, the line is the, to get the book signed. And then as you get closer to the table, a sea of people on the floor. All right. So as I'm waiting in line, one woman comes up and she's like looking at the sea of the people going, like, what is going on? And Miss Is Isabel was with me. And you know, Miss Isabel, she's just a firecracker. And she just says, oh, come on, you'll love it. You know, and so she pulls her into the line. The woman doesn't even have a book, all right? She didn't buy the book. But Isabel pulls her into the line, and she's watching very timidly as we're getting closer and closer. And they would sign books, and then you'd go over to the next one, and then they would lay hands on you, right? So I lose, I lose, she's, Isabel has put her in front of me, all right? So I lose, I, I don't know what's happened to her. I'm getting my book signed. She's already moved on and whatever. So I go over to, to get prayed for, and this is probably the only time this has ever happened to me. I had my backpack on. I had some weight on, people. I had my Bible, my backpack. I had it all on, right? Uh, I think the only person I had with me was Isabel. I don't know where the rest of the crowd was, so here I am. And I, I move over to get prayed for, and, and uh, I think it was Donna De Silva, and she reaches up to pray for me, and I fly off my feet, onto my backpack, on my back, on the floor, and I can't move. I'm, I am stuck. And I look over, and there's that woman. Stuck to the floor, and she's all, I can't move. And she's trying with all her might to pick herself. And I, again, 
it's all right, baby girl. It's just the glory of the Lord. You know, so he manifests so differently and so wildly that, that I love it. Don't, don't be afraid of it. But again, I can't imagine what Moses did when the goodness passed by him. So Moses says, show me your glory. Show me your kavod. Uh, let's look in Exodus 32 really quick just get a little bit of a context. I'm going to skip over because I've got a lot to try and put in so you can go, go back. Remember in 32, Moses is up the mountain, right? Moses is up the mountain, and when, uh, when the people are like, where is he? Is he ever coming back down? And they look to Aaron and they say, come on, come on, make us some gods who can lead us. So they're not waiting. They're, they're impatient, Right? They say, make us some gods, down in verse 3. Um, so uh, the sad thing is Aaron was, Aaron listened. He said, all right, grab your gold and, and bring it to me. And then they molded what out of all the gold? They, gold, they, they shaped a calf, right? And then Aaron, Aaron was actually excited, verse 5. He was excited. Uh, he saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. He's like, tomorrow will be a festival of the Lord. Wait a minute. Wait, where, where did we get lost here? Uh, number one, we didn't wait. We were impatient, right? Uh, and then it goes down and it says, um, uh, after this they celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan rivalry. So the Lord and Moses are up on the mountain and the Lord says, Moses, quick. Go down the mountain. Your people, your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from what I, the way I have commanded them to live. They have melted down and made a gold calf, and they have bowed down to sacrifice uh, to it. And they are saying, these are our gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord. I'm down in 11. And he said, why are you so angry with your own people? Who you, he, He's throwing it back. Not my people. Your people. You brought them out. Right? And remember, he goes on and he says, God, rescue them from their, Ill, their evil intentions of, slot, of slaughtering them. In the, in the mountains and wiping them off the face of the earth. Change your mind, right? So 14, the Lord changes his mind. And 15, uh, Moses went down the mountain, and now he sees them. And, and Moses, uh, let me catch up, because I'm skipping a little because of time. Moses comes down the mountain, and he's just upset, just as the Lord was. I mean, he's, he's interceding for them at the top of the mountain, but now he's at the bottom going, oh, these people, right? And so he's just interceded for them. He's down there, and he's like, uh, Moses saw that, he's like, Aaron, what happened? What happened? How did they trick you? And Moses starts backpedaling, oh, well, you know, you know, they were whiny, they did this, you know, and then, and then they did that, and then, I don't know, we were just there. And Moses, in 25, saw that Aaron had let the people compl get completely out of control. Uh, 
much to the amusement of their enemies. And so he stood at the entrance of the camp and he shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come over here and join me. Pick your side. And then Moses said, this is what the Lord of Israel says, each of you, so the ones that came on God's side, uh, Moses says to them, each of you, I'm gonna I want you to take a sword and I want you to go back and forth, back and forth to the end of the camp to the other and kill every one, even your brothers, your friends and your neighbors. You remember John talked about this. Not kill, not you, when you pacify the lion and you pacify the, the giant. No, when God says to kill something, you, you need to do it to it. You need to be uh, obedient in its fullness. And that day, 3,000 were killed. Right? So Moses goes on. Here we're over in uh, chapter 33. And now the Lord says to Moses, get up and get going. He says, go up to the land that I swore to give you. And I will send an angel before you to drive out all the ites. Right? The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites. I will send an angel to take out your enemy. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. So where are they going? They're going to the promised land. But I will not travel with you. What? I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And if I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. And when the people heard these stern words, they went into mourning. They stopped wearing their jewelry. Um, it goes down to seven. It was Moses. It was Moses' practice to take care of the tent of the, uh, the tent of the meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. So anybody who wanted to make a request to the Lord could go out to the tent of meeting just outside the camp. When Moses would go out uh, to the tent, uh, all the people would stand at their entrances of their own tent. Right? They're standing there. What's going on with Moses? You know? And we've got drums and we have children. Uh, they would stand at the entrance of their own tents and they would all watch Moses until he disappeared. <gasps> Where'd he go? Right? Where'd he go? And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down. Okay? So the glory cloud would come and fill the tents. And it says, um, when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents and inside the tent of the meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses, speak to Moses face to face. Just as he would a friend. But then Moses says to him in verse 12, you have been telling me to take these people, these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. And you have told me I know your name, and I will, and, and that, that, you have said, I look, sorry, let me rephrase that. You have told me, I know your name, and I, favor, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably upon me, then let me know your ways. See, Israel only knew the acts of God. They didn't know the ways of God. And so here Moses is crying out, let me know your ways so that I can understand more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And then down in 14, he says, the Lord replies, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. And other places in the word, uh, and actually in the, in the letters of Kavod, one of the letters in Kavod means dwelling place, means tabernacle, means to dwell in, 
means to rest. All right? So I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And then Moses said, if you do not personally go with us, do not make us leave this place. How will anyone ever know that you look favorably on me and on your people? If you don't go with us, your presence, if, be, if you don't go with us, how will they know? You see, it's the presence of God that marks us, that sets us apart. It is not anybody up here sharing the word of God that will, that will penetrate your heart. It is somebody who is marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is, in, um, who is being led by the Holy Spirit, that is marked by him that will, that will move you. And Moses says, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. You see, you cannot walk in signs, miracles, and wonders unless you are marked by the presence of God because it is only the presence of God that does signs, miracles, and wonders. It's actually how Jesus did all of his signs, miracles, and wonders was by the one who came down and what? Rested and remained upon him. That was the sign that he was the Messiah. That the presence of God would rest and remain upon him. It was then that he started his ministry, that it was then that he was able to do miracles because he could not operate as God here on earth. He had to operate as man. So he says, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. A apart from you, I can do nothing. And he goes down and he says, the Lord replies, he says, I will indeed do what you've asked. For I looked, I looked favorably on you, and I know you by name. And Moses responds again, it's not enough. It's not enough. Are you going with me? Or I need one more thing. I need one more thing. He says, show me your glorious presence. Do you know in the, in, in the original language in Hebrew, there is no word for presence in the Hebrew language. It's face. Show me your face. Show me your face. And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will, call out, I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. He's announcing the king is coming. For I will show compassion to anyone I choose, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see, may see me and live. For the Lord continued, listen to this. I want to see if you're hearing what I saw and heard this morning, look, stand near me. Stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by you, I will hide you in the crevice of this rock. I will cover you with my hand. Who is the rock? Stand near me, God says. Stand near me upon this rock, my son. I will hide you in him, and I will cover you with my hand. See, we are hidden in Christ, and in him we are covered by the hand of the Father. There is nothing that can touch us when you understand our position. But even in that, God is saying, I will pass by you and I will let all of my goodness, all of who I am, I will hold nothing back. I will hide you in him so it doesn't destroy you. 
That is why God hid Moses in the crevice of the rock and manifested his glory. So Moses was not only exposed to the light of the divine afterglow, but enraptured by the fullness of his person, his character. The one, I'm sorry, I'm reading out of a, a commentary. Sorry. I'm reading out of a commentary right now, not, not the word. One who is compassionate and gracious and just. In that moment, the fullness of God's goodness enveloped Moses. God tells him, get going. Go up to the land. I what? I swore to give you. Do you need to ask for the land in your prayer? No. You, it's already yours. Go up to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Um, I will go with you. And then, uh, let me see. We're moving. Moses was not crying out for a display of God's power. He wanted the presence. He wanted his face. It was back to that one thing. The one thing I asked, Lord. Right? Moses wanted to behold him, to know the one who is glory. Imagine seeing and knowing the breathtaking brilliance, the awe-inspiring majesty passed before you. Moses was asking for something that wasn't even legally available in his time, but yet he asked and he got it ushered in. I want to ask you, are you asking for more than you can think, dream, or imagine? I don't think we know what we have available to us. I don't even think you've tasted or had the scratch of the scratch of the scratch of the scratch of the scratch. David, the one thing, beholding his beauty, to live with him in every moment in his house, beholding his sweetness, his goodness, his loveliness, his splendor. We looked at that last week in Psalms 27. Filled with awe and delighting in what? In his glory and his grace. And then do you remember in verse 5 and 6 out of Psalms 27? I'm pulling some of the past weeks into this. Do you remember how in Psalms 27, in 5 and 6, it says, in the day of trouble, he will, he will, uh, he will either lift, he says, he will lift me up Upon a what? Upon a rock. Right? Another translation says, In the day of trouble, he will treasure me in his shelter under the cover of his tent. Another one says, In the day of trouble, that's where you will find me. For he hides me. He hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me into his secret place. In 27, remember the Lord said, so, so over in Exodus, Moses is saying what? Show me your glory. Show me your, pre your, the, your glorious presence, which is what? It's his face. In Psalms 27, the Lord is crying out to David and, say, and, and says, come and seek my face. And David replies, uh, Lord, when you said, seek my face, my inner being responded, I am seeking your face with all of my heart. You, I, had a, I had a dream one night where I, you, I was being tormented beyond torment. It was like I, I couldn't handle it anymore. It's, you ever had those dreams where you can't speak? 
It's like you're trying to scream, you're trying to cry out the name of Jesus, whatever it is that you can do to stop the torment. And all that I could muster out of my, out of, out of my mouth was, I need your face. And instantly, everything broke. And I saw a picture of Papa God holding my face. You know how you hold your, your kid's face? And you look into, into their eyes, you like bring their face to your face. And he's holding my face and he says, I, so I cried out, I need your face. And what I found was, baby girl, I have your face. I have your face. He had grabbed my face and pulled it in, locked eyes with me. And he says, not only do you have my face, but I have yours. And instantly, the torment stopped. You see, I have discovered that my life's verse is one of David's. When he says in Psalms 132, I will not cross the threshold of my home. I will not sleep in my bed. I will not sleep nor slumber, nor take the time to close my eyes and rest until I find for you a place to dwell. I will devote myself to finding a resting place for you until I hear you say, I will make this place my eternal dwelling, for I have loved and desired it for my very own. It was David's cry to find a resting place for the presence of God. And do you know because of his desire, a nation followed that desire. And so I want to say to you, are you desiring to be his resting place? Are you desiring for him to come and rest and remain upon you? That you would be his, that you would hear his voice say, I will make you, I will make this my eternal dwelling place. You see, in verse 13 of 132, it says, Lord, you have chosen Zion as your dwelling place for your pleasure is fulfilled in making it your home. He's saying to you, when you, when you cry out to him, I want to be your dwelling place. He's saying, I am fulfilled when, when you invite me in and you allow me to make, to make my home in you. In verse 14, he says, I will make this place my eternal dwelling, for I have loved and desired it as my very own. Another translation says this, I will, or no, it goes on after that. I think it's 15 or 16. It says, I will cover my priests with salvation's power, and all my godly lovers will shout for joy. In verse 17, it says this, I will increase the anointing that was upon David, and my glistening glory will rest upon my chosen ones. Verse 18 says this, but David's enemies will be covered with shame. So the lovers of Yahweh, those that say, I want to be your resting place. He says, he says I will increase the anointing and my glistening glory will rest upon you, my chosen ones. But David's enemies will be covered with what? They will be covered with shame. And while his enemies are covered with shame, the end of verse uh, of 18 is, I will... What, those that, the, that are glistening with my glory, I will make them bloom with holiness. Psalms 34, 
one says, Lord, I am bursting with joy over what you have done for me. Verse 5 says, gaze upon him, join your life, tie, wait, intertwine, join your life with his, and joy will come, and your faces will glisten with glory, and never, and you will never wear that shame face again. See, we have to learn how to behold him, behold the king, behold his majesty. Psalms 29.2 says this, be in awe before his majesty, be in awe before such power and might. Come and worship wonderful Yahweh, arrayed in all of his splendor, bowing down in worship as he appears in his beauty of his holiness. Give him the honor that is due his name. Worship him, fearing, uh, sorry, worship him, Wearing what? Wearing, wearing your glory garments, your holy priestly calling. To be in awe is to behold his wonder. To be in awe is to be in fear and trembling. I can promise you Moses was trembling. The Hebrew word, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but is yirah. For, for awe, for that, it's, it's also another word for the fear and trembling. It's the fear of the Lord. It means this, it's beholding something that is beyond one's capabilities and understanding. I don't care if I get stuck to the floor. I don't care if I shake violently and you look at me and I look like a mad person. Uh, there, there are people who have encountered the glory of God. And it's, it's no, Lord, I can't handle anymore. I can't handle anymore. I can't handle anymore. As they're shaking violently. And then he starts to pull away. And they're like, no, no, no. Don't pull away from me. Come back. So here it's that awe and trembling. And I can't handle it. My flesh cannot handle the fullness of the glory of God. But I want it. Psalms 2, 11 and 12 says, Serve and worship the awe-inspiring God. Recognize his greatness and bow before him, trembling with reverence in his presence. Fall face down before him and kiss the sun. My life's mission is to find a dwelling place for him, for me personally, for others, for families, and for nations that they would become a resting place for our God. Because you are, if, you, if we are carriers of his glory, and when he rests upon us, when he comes and fills us with the hope, he's the hope, the, the Christ in us, the hope of glory. When he is in us and on us, and we ask like Moses, show me your glory, and we allow him to ignite us with that that uh, insatiable flame. We become his torch. We become his glory carriers. And as we go out, the whole earth, see, you have to come in and know him, behold him. You were never going to understand him fully for all eternity, I don't think. But we've got to come in and begin to know him in such a, a tangible, weighty way because it's the knowledge 
of the Lord. It's the knowledge of the glory of the Lord that then goes out and covers the earth. You see, we have to come in, and as it says in, um, I'm skipping over about a bunch, as it says in 2 Corinthians, and we, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we reflect him, as we, as we behold him, we become like a mirror to the world and we begin to reflect the glory of the Lord. You become his torch, his glory carrier. And he is saying, go out, do not be ashamed and do not, you will never be able to carry enough glory that will belittle his glory. You will not be able to thief the glory of the Lord. So I challenge you to recognize the glory that he has given you and go out and shine. Arise and shine, for the Lord has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord, help me. Uh, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, though deep darkness covers the earth, right? The glory of the Lord, what? Covers you. Stand near me. Stand on this rock. I will hide you in my son. I will cover you with my hand, and I will let the fullness of my glory, I will hold nothing back. I will, I will let it pass before you. That will be the igniting switch that will ignite you to become the torch and the glory of the Lord, so that you will go out and the world will see, like in Habakkuk 2.14, that the glory of the knowledge, because I have stood here, and I have stared, and I have beheld and so much so that I have been overwhelmed by your glory, almost taken out by the weightiness. And if you actually, if you actually did it, we would be taken out. But I have beheld you. I have known you in a smidgen of who you are. And I have seen you in my spirit. And because I know you, at the level that I know you, I can shine you and take you out there. So you want to belittle the glory that you carry? Do not buy in to the lie of the enemy and think, oh, you're all puffed up. You're a glory carrier. Who do you think you are? The only glory that I carry is the amount of glory or the amount that I know him in intimacy. So my shining reflects the depth of intimacy that I have with him. It does not reflect me. It reflects him. So do not be ashamed of the glory that you carry. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Psalms 27, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Did I say 27? I meant 24. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swore or make calves, golden calves, people, those people, right? Who, 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 who 
who does not trust in idol or swear by false gods. How was Isaiah cleansed? How was Isaiah cleansed? He stepped in. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. And it was the Lord in that place where he trembled that the Lord brought an, a, a call to cleanse him. Do not be afraid of the face of Yahweh. Do not be afraid of the glory of the Lord. Step in and allow him to cleanse you and give you a pure heart. For it's these that can ascend the mountain and the hill of the Lord. Such is the generation of those who seek him and who seek your face. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You have a ladder. You have a high priest. It's by the lashes on his back. He is the ladder that goes from earth to heaven. He came from heaven to earth, but now he gives us access. He is the one we climb upon, that we have access to the heavenly realm to bring heaven to earth. You are the gate. You are his glory carriers. Quit shying away and allowing the enemy to diminish you. You step into a oneness with him where you begin to reflect him as a mirror, shining forth his glory, filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So I say to you, lift up your heads, O you ancient gates. Lift up your doors and let the king of glory come in. I'm going to let these guys lead us in a little bit of worship, and I'll close in prayer. There's two songs they sang. You don't have to do them fully, so ever, however the Lord leads you, but show us your glory. And they did open up your gates. Can you do that? Okay. There we go. Let's all stand. I, 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 this, is not a, this is not a walkthrough. This is a prophetic act. All right? We're not just going to stand here and go ho-hum. We're going to close this service in worship. This is a prophetic act. If you want to see his glory, if you want to stand near him and stand on the rock and be hidden in Jesus, if you want him to allow the, the fullness of the goodness of, of his presence to walk by you and have him cover you with his hand, then you cry out, show me your glory. You don't have to sing the words that they're singing. You have your moment with him. You guys need space. Don't, I, I, let his glory come. Let the weightiness, the tangible weightiness of his glory cry out as a daughter, as a son. I want to see and feel and know your glory. Let him speak to you this morning and let your words and your worship be a response to him. This is a prophetic act between you and the Lord.